0: If I was telling you about where I knew a million dollars was buried, and I was giving you all the details of that, and it was an extensive way to get to where that was at, would you try to remember it or would you write it down? Write it down. You'd write it down, absolutely. Because you want, you want the prize, amen? Well, we have to decide, do we want the prize of what the Word says? You know, these messages are not just to be nice, Flowery sermons. I mean, I could do that. I know how to do the three points in a poem thing really well. But the thing is, is that I want to give you stuff that I know can change your life. I believe in transformation. Amen? Amen. You know our our belief about transformation as a core value is is that God accepts you as you are, but He loves you too much to leave you. Loves you too much to leave you that way. He's not going to leave you the way you are. I don't whatever level that's at. You know we have people come here all different levels. I mean, I mean I would love to tell you that everybody here that comes to church at amazing grace is super spiritual, never cusses, never never drinks, never does something stupid. But look, there are lots of people here that are all at different levels. And what we have to recognize in the body of Christ is the body is made up of a lot of different people at different levels. And we have to be graceful and accepting with people. Amen. We have to remember that God loves them as much as he loves us. Amen. Uh, And the other thing we have to remember is God isn't finished. Philippians 1 verse 6 says this, God who has begun a good work is able to complete it. I pray that over my children. God, you started a work in their lives, you're going to finish the work. Amen. You know, the finishing work, if you know anything about finished work, and I don't, so just like farming, I know enough to get into trouble. But I'm not like Mark. Mark's an expert farmer. Jeannie was raised on a farm, has lived on a farm her whole life just about. They know a lot about farming. I just play around with it, okay? But finishing work, I do know this, is the hardest work there is. Because it's the last percentages that are har- are the hardest to get done. You go to somebody's house and they're having work done inside their house, the the last 6% will be the hardest for them. Last 10% will be the hardest to get done cuz you know what that is? That's the finish work. That's the trim. In my house they did a bunch of work before we bought it, but you can go through the house and find where no trim was put on doors or windows or or because that's the the last part, we get the big stuff done and then we think, ah, whew, done, right? No, you're not done. You're not done until it's finished, finished, right? So you gotta have the finishing work. So we're all gonna run into people that, you know, everybody has a bad day once in a while. Thank you for your enthusiasm. We have conflicts that happen, stuff takes place. You know, one of my favorite passages, I share this all the time, Uh, with you guys, but I, look, it works. The Bible says, where there are no oxen, the stall is clean. Okay, and where there are oxen, there's a lot of crap. Oh man, I'm on TV and I said that, I'm sorry. But look, at, at my house, we have a lot of animals and all those animals, they produce. Now my piggies will produce pork for me but i got to deal with all the other stuff to get there, right? God's people in the house of God, it's the same way. You're going to have all kinds of stuff that just happens, conflicts that happen. That's what goes back to what Mark said. That's where love comes in, that we realize that God is working. Now look, if somebody says something offensive to you, you're supposed to go to that person and talk to that person alone, Right? I mean, I've had people come to me in my office and say, I need to get some elders together to go talk to this person. I said, did you talk to them yet? No. I said, well, you don't go there until you go there. They're like, well, I feel more comfortable and safe and secure. I said, look, you need to talk to them. Call them on the phone then if you can't deal with it. Write them a note, but let them know that you're having an issue with something they said. You know, most of these issues in the church could be resolved really quick if we just would communicate with each other and be graceful with one another. Amen? Amen. You know, God has extended so much grace to your life. You know, you deserve hell. I mean, I love what Dakota was sharing today. That was so powerful. But, you know, without Christ, you deserve hell. I don't care who you are and I don't care how good you are. You deserve to go to hell. That's the punishment for our wickedness. But God, who is rich in His mercy and His grace towards us, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, that anyone that would believe on Him could have eternal life and not perish. What perish means is end up in hell. You know, there is a great move that's going on among evangelicals right now to say that there is no hell. That hell is a figurative place. We just read a a, a pastor uh, that we know that just wrote an article about how that they just said that no, there's no hell. We've done an extensive study. There's no p-. well. What in the world was Jesus talking about? There are people that are out teaching today, uh, and I don't know why I'm getting on all this, but there are people that are out teaching today that we should not take the Bible literally. That it's all figurative. Okay, so where do you pick and choose what's figurative and what's literal? Right? Are there things that don't apply to us today? Absolutely. We don't go through all the Jewish rituals to get to God. We go through one way, Jesus Christ, period. He is the way, the life, and the truth. Amen? We don't have to wash our hands a certain way. We don't have to kill our animals. We don't bring sacrifices of animals to church so that God will hear our prayers you know, in the smoke of the sacrifice that we made. Thank God we don't have to do any of that because Jesus became the eternal sacrifice for all of us. But realize that there is a lot of false doctrine that's being taught out in the world right now, and it's actually being taught by some Christians. That's why your church becomes one of the most important places for you to be in the last days. This is a no-nonsense pulpit. Amen. This is a, I'm not bragging on me, I'm just telling you, this is a no-nonsense pulpit. Every one of these people that preach from this pulpit are no-nonsense people about Scripture. So you hear somebody say, well, the Bible is just figurative, it's not really literal, you shouldn't take what it says at face value, you should look for the deeper meanings, blah, blah, blah. Listen, that's an old attack of the devil. Let me tell you where it showed up in the first place, the garden. In the Garden of Eden, God told man to do certain things, and here's what the devil said. Did God really say, "Well, you know, you shouldn't take what God said literally, Eve. You should only take it figuratively." All right. All right, Moving right along. Did you find? Did I tell you where to go? I mean, I know I talked about hell and everything, and I, <laughs> That's not what I was saying, okay? (laughs) I mean, did I tell you what passage to turn to? (laughs) Excuse me. No nonsense pulpit, right? All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. If you didn't like any of that, you're not going to like this at all. So, All right. So Paul, he's writing to the Corinthian church. And as he's finishing up, he's making his kind of his finishing remarks in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, and, uh, and verse 11, we'll just start there. He says, finally, brethren, farewell, become complete, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace. What great words. And the God of love and peace will be with you, okay? Greet one another with a holy kiss, all the saints greet you. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, or the love of the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Three things he talks about here. One is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He talks about the love of God or the love of the Father. And he talks about the communion of the Holy Spirit. So let me, let me break this down a little bit. It is because of the love of God that you experience the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is because of the love of God, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, John three sixteen. So it is because of the love of the Father that you and I receive the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the free gift, grace meaning a gift that God gives us so that we can be able to do His will in our lives that we can fulfill the promises of His Word, that we can experience everything that grace entails. The word grace means gift. That's what, exactly what it means. So God's gift to us is grace through Jesus Christ. You couldn't have grace without Christ. So the love of the Father allows us to receive the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's the thing where the catch is now. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ fulfills in us the communion of the Holy Spirit. The communion, the, the work to commune with the Spirit. The, some of you will have in your Bibles not the word communion, but the word fellowship. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about today is about what Jesus is trying, what Jesus' purpose was in giving you the Holy Spirit. That He gave us the Holy Spirit in our lives through His grace, His gift to us so that we could commune with the Holy Spirit or have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And so the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to become paramount if we are to live the Christian life. Now for years, I sang about the Holy Spirit and didn't even understand who the Holy Spirit was. I thought He was a dove up in the glass window, right? Right? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above you, heavenly host. Excuse me. Praise Father, Son, Holy Ghost, or Holy Spirit, right? All right, so I get it about the Father, and, you know, the Father is of the Lord Jesus Christ. I get Jesus, but what's the big deal about the Holy Spirit? And I found out that when you start talking about the Holy Spirit, you start moving people away from you quicker than you start moving people towards you, okay? Because traditionally, the things about the Holy Spirit has been all over the map. I mean, it's been everywhere. Now, you'll hear in some environments that when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we'll hear the words comforter. He's a comforter. And so we'll say, well, he's here to comfort us. But the word comfort that's used in the Scriptures about the Holy Spirit is not saying that he is going to hold you in his hands and kind of help you get through all of your difficulties. It's the Greek word parakleo, and it means that he is the one that is called beside us. Because why? Because God wants us to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk about the work of the Holy Spirit, and what is the Holy Spirit's, excuse me, supposed to do in our lives, we realize that the Holy Spirit is to have an active part in our daily life and everything that we do. Now, in the scriptures, we read about how that Jesus appeared to his disciples. He talked with them in the book of Luke. Go with me to the book of Luke, real quick. The book of Luke. And I want us to look at the last chapter, if you would. Luke chapter 24. Thank you. Luke 24. And Jesus is talking to His disciples, and I want you to, to watch what He says to them. Verse 46. Then He said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remissions of, remission of sins should be preached in His name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. You are witnesses of these things. Verse 49, now watch what he says here. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So what's he telling them? He's saying, look, the promise of the Father for all of you isn't just that you would be, your sins would be forgiven, but that you would be endued or as one translation says, clothed with power from on high. That God wants you to have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, go with me to the book of Mark real quick. Mark chapter 1. And uh, I want to read this passage to you about what John talking about Jesus. Mark chapter 1 and verse 7. And he preached, saying, there comes one mighty there comes one after me who is mightier than I this is John speaking whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose I indeed baptized you with water but he will baptize you with the holy spirit he will baptize you with the holy spirit everybody say baptize, baptize with, with the holy spirit, the holy spirit. Now, notice here that he's talking about that this is what Jesus does. That's why it comes through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, which comes from the love of the Father, because it is the promise of the Father that you would receive his power so that you could be his witness here in this earth, so that you and I could have communion with the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, if we're supposed to have communion with the Holy Spirit we have to ask ourselves a couple of questions. One is, do i even know who the holy spirit is? I mean, and do i know what he does? And you know, and do i really do i and then the the other question is, am i actually having fellowship with the holy spirit? Because if i'm not answering that question, if i can if i come back and say, well i believe, well that's great. But see, to believe something and to act on something are two different things. Mark talked about that during the offering. And that is so powerful because we say we believe all kinds of stuff, but it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to act on it, right? right? You know, like someone you might say during the week, I'm stupid, okay? Well, here's the thing. You said that, you really don't believe that because if somebody else said it to you, you'd smack them. That's right. So you didn't believe it anyways. Now, you keep saying that long enough, it'll get into your spiritual life. But, but what I'm saying is we, do, we say things all the time that we don't really believe. You know, like, that about scared me to death. Okay, you were not that scared. But, you know, we have little fla- phrases that we say that we learn, you know, through the years, Right? Like my dad, my dad, he was really bad about this, and he had to correct this in his life. I won't finish the whole phrase, but he used to always say, I'll be, and then he would say the D word over his life. Now, he didn't believe that, but see, he had got that in his life, and so he would actually actually damn himself every time he said that. Now, if I walked up to him and said to him, well, you know, you've cursed your whole life, He'd say, "No, I didn't." I said, "Well, you just said it." See, so there are all kinds of things that you say. Now, you say them long enough, you will believe them. I promise you. Okay, but see, when we make statements, we all say things that we don't necessarily believe. We say that about the Holy Spirit. Well, I believe there's a. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, absolutely. I believe. You know, I believe Jesus came and gave His life. I believe that God transforms people. I believe that. You know, if I give, I believe I will receive. Well, look, if you really believe that, then you would have a corresponding action. Brother Hagen taught us, uh, which I thought powerfully, that faith begins where the will of God is known. So when I know God's will, then my faith can begin. So I know that's what God said. Now I can begin. So what is the role of the Holy Spirit in my life? What is the Holy Spirit supposed to do? Well, there's a couple of things that are supposed to happen. I'm going to read two of them to you here this morning um, in the time that we have. So I want you to go to the book of um, John, chapter 4. John, chapter 4. And uh, this is talking about the woman, uh, the Samaritan woman, that came to talk with Jesus, uh, or Jesus was sitting by the well, and she came up to get water, and he began to talk to her. And he says to her in verse 7, that a woman of Samaria came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. And it, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And that's a long story, but, but uh, that, was, that is very true. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is, who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. He would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Verse 13, Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And of course, then the woman says, give me a drink. I'll take some of that, right? That sounds awesome. So what is this? The fountain that he's talking. So if you're writing notes, you want to write the word fountain there. The fountain of the Spirit, the fountain of the water, because the, 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 the water is a reference to the Holy Spirit, that the fountain of the water is here to spring up until unto eternal life. Now this is in the Old Testament as well. We used to I'll be referring back to some older songs that we used to sing, but uh, there was a song we used to sing called "Spring up, O Well." Spring up O well within my soul. Spring up, O well, and make me." whole. The well is the Spirit that is within us. When we become born again, if you are a born-again Christian today, if you have asked Christ into your life and you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit in you. He is resident in you. Okay? He is resident in you. But we also have to recognize that even though He is resident within you, springing up to eternal life, The disciples had that experience in Luke chapter 24, but Jesus told them there is more. Everybody say more. More. So there is more that you can step into here. I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait there until you receive the power. And then in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, which if you know how the Scriptures line out, Acts is the completion of the book of Luke. Luke Luke wrote Acts and he wrote... I know it says the Acts of the Apostles, but Luke wrote both of them, okay, by the Spirit. So here we have have this continuation that you shall tarry and wait in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So I want you guys to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, why would he say that when they already believed on him? Now, I've heard people say, well, you know, in, in Luke chapter 24, they're not saved yet. Okay, so what you're telling me is everything Jesus did through covenant was not paid for yet and that they could not get saved yet because of that the Holy Spirit hadn't, the Holy Spirit didn't come upon them. Well, here's the thing that you got to deal with with this. The Holy Spirit has always been here. The Holy Spirit has always been here. You say, well, where's that at? Well, go back to the book of Genesis and the Spirit of God was hovering on the face of the waters. The, the Holy Spirit has not left. Now, there are those who teach, I'm, I, I don't want to get too far off this or I'll, we'll get confused, but there are those who teach that, that after, when we enter into the seven years of tribulation, and the church is raptured out of the earth, that the Holy Spirit is taken out of the earth. No, He's not, because He doesn't leave, because He's God, He's the Holy Spirit. You can't take God away from His whole creation. God God, look, listen to me, even your Bible teaches this, God knows what hell's like, God knows what heaven's like, God, because he is the creator, you can't separate all of his creation from the creator, okay, so the Holy Spirit has been here from the beginning, there are those that teach that he'll be gone, no, the only thing that'll be gone after the rapture is the church. The church. The Holy Spirit will still be here. There will be people saved during the tribulation. There will be people that will come to Christ during tribulation. Especially a whole bunch of them will come to Christ because they'll realize that what you told them about Jesus was right, and you're gone. And I'm not talking about your bodies laying on the ground. I'm talking about your clothes were left behind. I pray that none of our friends or family have to go through that experience. Because the seven years of tribulation are not a good time for planet Earth. People say, well, I think we're in that now. No, we're not. No, we're not. It's not even, it's just glimpses of what it could be like. It's just little glimpses of what it could be like. Okay? Thank you, Pastor. That's a good preaching. So, Jesus tells her, Look, if you receive, if you ask me, I'll give you a drink, this fountain of water that will spring up into everlasting life. Notice the outcome of the fountain is internal and it is everlasting life. Now, go to the book of John, chapter 7. I know some folks are like, Do we have to look at so many verses? Yes. That's why we have our Bibles. John chapter 7, and I want you to notice something Jesus said to, him, to, to the people. Verse 37, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anybody is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this, now watch what it says now, because this is really important. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. All right, so without going too far off course here, what's happened? He's saying, look, there is an experience you will have that will spring up to eternal life with the holy spirit. There is also an experience that you can have in your life that will become a river of living water. Now, I you know, I have all kinds of degrees that in and you know so but you don't have to have any degrees to know any of this. Is there a difference between a fountain and a river? Is there a difference between a fountain and a river? There's a huge difference, right? There's a huge difference between a fountain and a river. A fountain springs up and provides for where it is. A river flows out and provides beyond its borders. Beyond where it is, okay? Let's change that. It provides beyond its point of emanation. Right? So a river has a point where it starts, But where it starts is not the end. A fountain, where it starts, is the end. Right? Right? So when we we receive the Holy Spirit, when we receive the born-again experience, we receive the ability to experience the fountain of the Spirit that springs up to eternal life. And look, when you're born again, the Holy Spirit can talk to you. And speak to you and comfort you. All those things, all those things can happen for you. But here's where it becomes here's what, what, what God's ultimate plan was for you and I that it not become just about us. Amen. That our Christianity did not just become, I'm saved. I got my fountain, right? I'm good. God's plan was is that that fountain would eventually by your permission would flow out of you beyond the point of emanation and would actually change the culture that is around you change the environment that's around you you're a culture changer no you are you really you don't even realize how much you are a culture cha- cultural changer right See, you could be in a room and you're talking with people and they could be cussing up a blistering storm, but the minute they find out you're a Christian, guess what just happened? The culture changed. Because what do they do? They go, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that, right? You just you didn't even you and most of us just go, Well, look, I didn't ask you to stop doing that. They go, Yeah, but you know you're a man of God or you're a believer or you're a Christian. I don't wanna see you're a culture, you you shift culture all the time around you don't even know you're doing it don't even know you're doing it someone comes to you that's got a need in their life and is going through difficulty and you're talking and listening to what's going on and you tell them i'm a christian and i believe in the power of prayer guess what you just did you just shifted a whole bunch of culture because what are they going to do they're going to say well would you would you pray for me I, have, I, have very, I, was at, uh, I was at a uh, eating last Sunday, Sharon and I were. And this guy comes up to the table and he's telling a gazillion stories. I mean, just on and on, you know, and, you know, bless his heart. and I, I would, Somehow he knew me, but I don't remember meeting him before, okay? But, but that doesn't matter because I meet lots of people. So he's talking to me, and then it got down to why he really came over to the table. So he's telling all these little jokes and stories, you know, and he's probably, what do you think, Sharon, maybe 85, something like that, uh, close to it, and and he goes, yeah, I just got diagnosed with bladder cancer. Here we go. Huh. That's right. Bladder cancer. Now, I'm sitting at, what's the name of that place we ate? Huh? Cancun. So I'm we're sitting there at Cancun, and he's at our table, and his his son is there with him, and he's telling me about his bladder cancer, and I said, I'll pray for you. And he put his hand out, and guess what we just did? We just changed culture. We just changed culture. See, when you and I, when we say yes to the Holy Spirit, that Lord, you can flow out of me like a river of living water, you can flow out of me. I don't want to just be a fountain where everything is just flowing to me. Oh, I'm so good. You know, Everything's so good. Oh, God is good just having a great time being a Christian. This is awesome. And you turn it the other way and say, God, flow out of me. Flow to other people, right? I know, I don't, I'm not good with hand motions, all right? But I got your attention. And so what's happening is, is that you and I are saying, look, I'm, I'm a culture changer. And that's what Jesus said. Guys, if you'll receive the power of the Holy Spirit, You'll go out and change. You'll be a witness for me. You'll change the culture of your world. And everywhere these disciples went, and listen, this is where it gets really cool. The book of Mark chapter 16, which is kind of the wrap-up of it all, says in the end, and then God worked with them confirming the word with signs and wonders following. Signs and wonders following. Say so, well, pastor, you're a pastor. That's what pastors do and pe- See, that's the lie. That the, that's what the devil wants the church to believe. Your prayers are just as good as my prayers. God doesn't listen to me any better than he listens to you. If you go to him in the name of Jesus, he hears you just as well as he hears me. If you're praying with someone and they need help and they're going through it, you watch. I, I mean, just, I, I just t- I'll just will just put a test on you. Okay, this just an experiment. This week you'll hear from you'll talk to somebody somebody that will tell you a problem they've got going on in their life okay It could be at Walmart, it could be at the grocery store, it could be at the restaurant and when they tell you about this problem, I want you to say back to them, may I pray for you and watch the culture change. Watch it change. It always will. See, when I was at Cancun eating my whatever that thing was I was eating, <laughs> it's called a mojita or some, not a, mo, not a mojita, it was a moja something. Okay. Hey, I'm shocked you know what a mojita is, guys, all right? We're going to have to have an altar call here in just a minute. Whatever that thing was I was eating, it was a big bowl of soup, okay? And someone needs prayer we're about to change the culture of that restaurant. Right. And listen, you know, I don't do it because I want people to watch cuz I really am uncomfortable with people watching and I felt uncomfortable for this guy. But man, we grabbed hold of heaven and we declared over his body this cancer to get out of his body in the name of Jesus. I didn't pray no little mamzy pamsy, lord if it's your will prayer kind of a thing. I said you Died for this guy. You gave your life so he could have this life in his body, and and you know and listen and you know when you're at a restaurant when somebody starts praying, everybody's attention goes that direction. I'm surprised we didn't have a prayer meeting right there. And you say, well, Pastor, I thought. Now wait a minute, Pastor. I thought about this river that it was about speaking in tongues, because I thought if the And guess what it is part of it but don't put the tongues above the holy spirit now listen and don't put the tongues above the purpose of the river the purpose of the river the river is to flow out wigglesworth smith wigglesworth great man of god i mean just tremendous raised people from the dead had a powerful ministry for years and years and years, he sought God to speak in tongues. I mean, he just wanted to speak in tongues. He was just, he was in, the, he was in the, his family was in the Salvation Army. And he was like, Lord, I want to speak in tongues. And he kept saying, Lord, I'm praying I speak in tongues. And he'd go to prayer and he'd get on his face and he'd say, Lord, I just pray that I'll speak in tongues. I'll speak in tongues. And this is what the Lord said back to him. Smith, stop asking me for tongues and just receive the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit. He said, well, yeah, but i got to speak in tongues. He said, just, look, it doesn't pay to argue with God. You can't win. (laughs) One, he wrote the manual, so he knows how this all works, okay? He said, stop it. Stop it. He said, just seek me, listen to me, and be used by me. Be used by me. Well, one day he was, he was praying and he says, while I was praying, he said, I wasn't even thinking about it. I was just praying, Lord, you know what I've got going on? What's going on? He listened and he heard himself start speaking in tongues. He just flowed over into it. Tongues is nothing to be afraid of. You say, well, pastor, I don't understand. Okay, so like, why would God do that? Why would God have us speak in tongues? Why would He ask us? Why would that be a part of receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit and being this river? Why would that even? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. I don't understand it. And I don't know why God would do it that way. And here's why I'm going to tell you right now because He's God. That's right. That's right. right. Okay. Because, okay, you explained to me how that God set up a plan for your increase by decreasing. Why did he do it that way? Seems to me that God, if He really wanted us to increase, He'd just say, "Keep everything you got." But God's plan was, you got to de- decrease before you can. In- you got to sow before you can reap. And if you sow a little, you reap a little. And if you sow a lot, you reap a lot. That's right. Why did God have us to Why? Because He knew your mind couldn't handle it. He knew your mind couldn't handle it. See. Contrary to, to what's being taught from a lot, of, uh, a lot of Bible teachers today, your mind is not the friend of God. Your mind is God's enemy. Because your mind talks you out of all kinds of things God wants to do. Right? You know, you, you, you tell me, you could be in a service, know that that's a call that's going at the altar for you, and you know it. You know that's, that's ex- I came here today and I need a touch from God, I need help. I need delivered from fear. I need to experience God's presence. I need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I, I need all of that. And then here's the game: your your mind begins to say, "Yeah, but you know, if you go up there, it's going to be kind of awkward, and people will be staring. The whole church will be staring at you. Yeah, like that's all we got to do is to stare at you at the altar, right?" To, you know, they're going to all be looking at you, and they're all going to be wondering what you're up there for and why you're up there. And I'm telling you, people aren't wondering any of that. Right? Then we don't have time for that. So see, but your mind can talk you right out of it. I need to give that homeless guy five bucks. Your mind will go, yeah, well, he'll just use it for drugs. Don't give it to him. You say, well, that sounds like the devil. Exactly. Exactly, because your mind is used to listening to the devil. You grew up listening to the devil for crying out loud. You've heard more of that voice than you've heard any other voice. You're nothing, you're nobody, you're a failure, you're a disappointment, blah, 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 on and on, all the stuff that your mind tries to tell you. Anytime you're going to fail, you'll fail, you'll fail. It's all going to fail. It's not going to work. None of it will work. None of it's going to happen. You're going to fall flat on your face. You're going to be publicly humiliated. Everybody will laugh at you and scorn you, and that's what your mind will do. I've seen good people baptized in the Holy Spirit, speak in other tongues, and their mind talks them out of being used by God. I'm one of them. I knew the Lord was telling me to do something, and I didn't do it. I was thinking back about the not too long ago. Um, I had uh, I, someone had blessed me, and I had money in my pocket. And this woman's telling me this story about uh, at the at the uh, gas station. She's telling me this. I said, "How's your um, How are you doing today?" She says, "Well, I'd be doing better if I had money to go see my son over in Germany, military guy." And I was like. Well, be warmed and be filled, sister. God bless you, and, you know, and uh, that's great. And I says, then I then I went out in my car, and here goes my mind. How many of you have ever had this happen to you? My mind begins doing all this, you know, exercise, like, okay. So my spiritual side is going, you should have give her some money. You should have helped her. My mind's going, yeah, well, you don't know her and what she does. You know, it's like the old angel on one shoulder and the devil's on the other, right? You all remember that. And I mean, I am just in this incredible wrestling match with God and I'm sitting there and I know how this all plays out because I know myself that if I got in my truck and I drove down the road, 10 miles away, I'd be turning around and coming right back to do what exactly, so I just learned save the gas and just do what you're supposed to do, right? (laughs) You know, don't, don't, don't. But how many of you have ever had that experience where you knew God was telling you to do something and you you wrestle with it? Your mind is telling you, don't do that. You'll be embarrassed. They they don't really want that. They don't need that. On and on. Your mind is not your buddy. In fact, in the Scripture, it teaches the mind is the enemy of God because it talks you out of what God wants you to do in your life. Now, I'm not saying you can't renew your mind because you're supposed to. But your mind will talk you out of everything the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. So, coming back to the disciples get together after 40 days of being with Jesus. He's taught them about that they'll receive power. They need to wait. Now, 40 days they've been with Jesus. They've seen him. He's taught them. He's talked with them. He ate with them for 40 days. And then he tells them, guys, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power, until you're clothed with power. And so that's going to be a 10-day period, all right? 10 days later, 10 days later, they're in this room together. And it says, all of a sudden, there was a rushing mighty wind. This is in Acts chapter 2 that filled the house where they were seated. Where they're all gathered together. And it says that they all, in the room, all of them, that had been in that room, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues. Now listen, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now it doesn't say, as the Spirit made them utter. It says, as the Spirit gave, they still had to do it. Just like Mark was talking about in the offering. You have to do it. God isn't going to make you. He is not going to force you. You can leave here today and get nothing out of this, or you can leave here today and go, glory to God, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you say, Pastor, well, I got filled with the Holy Spirit many years ago. Well, you leak, friend. (laughs) You've leaked some of that out by now, I promise you. Okay? Stuff has happened. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We all need to be filled. I mean, we need to live in a constant state of being filled with the Holy Spirit so that when we're pressed, when wherever we're at, that's what's there is this presence of the Holy Spirit. Just set aside worrying about tongues right now, okay? Just set it aside and just focus on being filled with the Holy Spirit. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that you and I, that that we don't need to give ourselves to drunkenness, but to be filled with, with the Holy Spirit. I just saw a report this morning. I don't know if you saw this, but there's a church called Triple X Church. They actually, the pastor got up publicly and said that, you know what? I believe in marijuana usage because if you smoke marijuana, you'll have a better worship experience. (laughs) Now look, hey, stop right there. I am not ridiculing medicinal marijuana. I'm real medicinal stuff now I'm talking about to help people like to deal with cancer and things that, you know, going through chemo. But look, you don't need marijuana. Okay? You don't need need that in your life, just like you don't need drunkenness because you have something better than all of that, and that's the Holy Spirit. Well, Pastor, I don't know. It's just a lot easier to just go buy a bottle of wine or to buy a bag of weed or whatever, okay? Well, here's the thing. Jesus already paid for you to have the Holy Spirit. You have an unlimited supply of being filled. You have an unlimited supply of being filled. Don't be drunk with wine. You know, could you imagine if all of us here this morning, we all smoked weed in the parking lot and they came in here to worship? (laughs) Look, I used to smoke weed a lot. I know what that would be like. We better have lots of uh, Doritos in the building, I promise you. (laughs) We'd have no problem with Dorito sales, hot dog sales. Oh, man, yeah, oh, yeah. No, we'd be like... We could raise the, the rest of that money for the parking lot in one Sunday. <laughs> well, I'd have a better or worse. I had a pastor that actually believed that. That he believed that if he could get high, he would actually hear from God better. Which God? Large G or small G? You don't need to have that unless there's some medical issue that you need that. You don't have to have that. That pastor should be ashamed of himself for saying that. And he'll get called out for it, I promise you. He'll get called out for it. That's a bad bad thing to teach. That's just bad teaching. We might as well put a bar in the foyer if we're going to do that. Because if you can't do it at church, you ought not to be doing it at home. That's all I going to say about that. If it don't work at home, it don't work here, don't work at home either. My church life is not separate from my home life. Hallelujah. Be filled with the Spirit. Stand up with me if you would. Let me have my prayer team up here this morning. All those who pray and help us in our leadership team, please. Hallelujah. I want you to walk out of here filled with the Spirit today. Hey, I forgot to say, Jeff, glad you could bring your baby, you and Olivia, today. I don't see the baby here, but awesome. Make sure you get over and see that new baby of theirs. Wow. We'll be dedicating soon, I'm sure. But look, if you, this morning, if you're, uh, you know, in your life, you're like, Pastor, I need to be filled with the Spirit. I really do. I need to. You could be born again, and you're just... You're just feeling in your spiritual life like you just need a charge. You know, when a battery's dead, the only thing you can do to get that battery going is to hook it up to a battery that's got something in it. These guys got something in them, okay? When they lay hands on you, I believe in the name of Jesus, the power that is in them, the river, let's call it the river, okay? That river will flow out of them into, it'll just wash, right over you. It'll wash into your spirit. It'll wash through you. You'll experience the very presence of the Lord, okay? And I want to make that opportunity available. So I'm going to ask you right now with heads bowed, eyes closed, but uh, I'm going to ask you while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and I'm going to pray in just a minute. But if you would like prayer to be filled with the Spirit this morning, I want you to come right now. Go ahead and make your way out and do that. Do you want to be prayed for this morning? You want these guys to lay hands on you all over the building, If you're struggling and you need just a a touch from the presence of the Lord, amen. Uh, God may speak to you in some way today, prophetically up here through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Whatever challenges you're going through, I believe right now God's got an answer for you. I'm going to ask you to come while I'm praying, if you would. Greg, if you just want to put some light music on there in the back. Father, in the name of Jesus. I believe, Lord God, by the power of Your Holy Spirit that You would fill us here today. God, that not one of us would leave this place not filled with Your Holy Spirit. You desire that there be a river of life. Thank You for coming. Is there anyone else here today that would come right now? You desire that we be filled. Lord God, that we are experiencing, that we become that river of living water. Thank You for coming. Uh, That's flowing out, Lord God. Father God, I pray that no one would leave here with that, that, that emptiness. That You know, the opposite of being filled is just that emptiness, Lord God, that we feel in our lives, Lord God. We feel we got to fill that emptiness with something else. Entertainment. Some, something to make us happy. Lord, I pray today that every person here would be filled with Your Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Now look, that's not all they're up here to pray for. They'll pray for healing over your body if you're wrestling with something. Uh, if you're, you know, some, you're in some kind of a dire straits financially, you need somebody just to agree with you, they'll pray for you.